Hey everyone, we appreciate you listening. We'll get into the show in a bit, but just want to mention, go check out our Twitter page, at Midcourt Madness, for all of our show updates, as well as some breaking news tweets. Also, check out our website, where we post all of our writing at midcourtmadness.wordpress.com. Here's the show. On today's Midcourt Madness, we are previewing the Atlantic Coast Conference. They sort of took a hit last year as their two blue bloods, Duke and North Carolina, managed to get only one tournament appearance and no tournament wins. With that being said, there's still a ton of talent in this conference and some quality teams who could really make a lot of noise come tournament time. Let's get into it. All right, Biggs, it's sort of been a common theme of our conference previews where I just toss a random question at you at the start of the show. Um, and I was thinking about it today. So with a lot, with all of the changes of coaches in the ACC, you know, you think of, you know, Roy Williams retiring, being replaced by Hubert Davis. Coach K is in his final season. He's going to be replaced by John, Sire, John Shire. Um, guys like Leonard Hamilton, um, Bayheim, Mike Bray, you know, all of them are getting up in age. Is the ACC in good hands? John, that didn't feel like a very random question at all. That felt actually very specific. Um, but yeah, I would say the ACC is probably in good hands. I mean, it's one of the premier college basketball conferences. You know, it, it's one of the premier conferences in college basketball, right? I mean, you've got flagship programs like Duke, like North Carolina. And, and, and even if I'm not entirely sure on – those two coaches, right, Hubert Davis and, and John Shire, we don't know if they're going to be great coaches or not. Those two programs are are going to have every opportunity. They're going to really have to be horrible coaches for those programs not to succeed, right? It feels like almost no matter what, as long as those guys aren't just terrible, those teams will be in good shape. Uh, Louisville is, a, is generally a strong program. Florida State's been in a good position. Syracuse has been down recently, but but again, it's they're out in the middle of New York. I think they've got a chance. They're, they're always kind of a factor. Uh, and now with, with Tony Bennett as a young coach, I mean, he's one of the best coaches in the country, love him or hate him. He, he's great. I think the ACC has enough high-quality teams, and, and there's depth, and there's good young coaches, flagship programs where I think the conference is always going to be up there towards the top. Yeah, and then, you know, you mentioned some of – there are some definitely some younger coaches who can sort of keep keep the conference going, like you mentioned Tony Bennett. Um, another older coach who I forgot to mention is, you know, Jim Laranega over at Miami. Um, Josh Pastner is another sort of young up and coming coach for Georgia Tech. Um, I, I can't think of the Clemson guy, Brad Brownell. Yeah, Brad Brownell. He's another good coach. He's not. I would say he's young, young, but he's sort of a good coach. Um, so I, you know, it's gonna be interesting in the next few years just see sort of the changing of the guard with all the coaches because like this is a conference where a lot of these coaches are just getting up there in age, and you've seen already with two you know, legendary Hall of Fame coaches announcing their either retirement or upcoming retirement, and they did it within just a couple months of each other. Yeah, very true. And and you got to think, I mean, some of these teams like like Miami with, with Jim Laranega, I don't know how many years he's got left, but whenever he does decide he's hanging it up, they could probably go find another high quality coach. Jim Laranega was one of the top coaches on the market when he when he went from when he went from George Mason to to Miami and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that's the same kind of thing. Louisville with, with Chris Mack, when they hired Chris Mack, he was 
really one of the young, hot name coaches. And and I don't know, I, I could see them maybe making a change here in the next couple of years if things keep going the way they have kind of off the court for Louisville. That, that's probably another podcast. But, um, you know, it, it does seem like these teams, they either have high-quality coaches or it's kind of like the SEC in football where the, these teams, if, if the coach isn't working, they don't just stick around, right? I mean, the, these are – they expect excellence in these conferences, even – North Carolina, Duke, Virginia—they they force you to raise your your level a little bit with these other coach. These other programs are trying to catch up, and, and that means you cycle through coaches, and you're always pursuing. You're always trying to find good coaches. So, yeah, I mean, they're always—I think they're always going to be in the pursuit of of high quality. Yep. All right, let's get into some of these teams here, Biggs. Um, and you know, we've talked about what our tiers are. We've been going in tiers and grouping teams together, and. You know, we're, I really only have one team in Tier 1, and that is the team both of us hate, and that is Duke. And so my question to you is, what do you think is the bigger story here? The fact that they missed the tournament last year or that this is Coach K's final season? It's Coach K's final season? You haven't heard about that? I, I, I didn't know. No, he's actually – it's his final – when did that come out? He I'm pretty sure. He it before the year? Yeah. Like, well, like, you got to think, Biggs, if you don't do that, you don't get all the attention throughout the year. Is he going to have some sort of like a like like a going away kind of send off kind of thing this year then? I mean, is that that's that's my only guess. And it's sort of, you know, like you think of teams that the general consensus hates Two of those teams are Duke and the Yankees. Right. Yeah. And Derek Jeter did this also. You could really lump in. Actually, I'm not going to go there because R.I.P. Kobe Bryant. But you could sort of Lakers. Lump, the Lakers are sort of hated too. Yeah, they're very they're very lightning rod organizations, right? You either you have a lot of people who love the Yankees or hate the Yankees. Love the Lakers, hate the Lakers. Love Duke, hate Duke. There's not a lot of people who are just kind of eh, whatever on any of those teams, right? I, I feel like at least in my experience, knowing people. You, you draw your line in the sand, right? We, we picked. We picked North Carolina or Duke. We picked Carolina. We like Carolina more than Duke. Other people like Duke, uh, you know, so they don't like Carolina. They're, you don't really disregard Duke. You either love them or hate them. Um, yeah, and that's because they're excellent, right? They've, they've been one of the best teams in the, co- the country uh, over the last probably, what, 20 years, 35 years? I mean, they've, they've been as good as long as I've followed college hoops. And uh, – you know, if it's Coach K's last year, I guess they're gonna they're gonna milk that for all it's worth, and it's gonna be horrible. Yeah. Now, so we'll get into Duke here, and you know they do lose some good players. Um, Matthew Hurt sort of improved vastly between his freshman and sophomore year. He goes to the draft. Um, Jalen Johnson, depending on who you ask, either quit or en- enter the draft early. DJ Stewart's also gone. He averaged about thirteen points a game. But they do have a lot of talented freshmen coming in, which sort of seems to be par for the course for them. They have Paulo Banchero, who, to be quite honest, is sort of a trendy freshman of the year pick, not only for the conference, but for the entire country. Trevor Keels is a guard coming in, um, top 25 recruit. Jeremy Roach is a guy who I could sort of be, see being a breakout candidate. For some reason, he seemed to sort of be battling Jordan Goldwire for minutes a year ago. I think it's probably sort of like a... Coach K saying you got to prove yourself over Goldwire, who is a senior. But Goldwire is gone now, so Roach won't have to deal with him anymore. And Mark Williams is a post player who, after Jalen Johnson left the team and Mark Williams actually got a lot more minutes, he really proved to be a quality player for them. And you might remember, they sort of made a run last year. They ultimately had COVID in the ACC tournament, and 
basically had to forfeit. But there's like I think like that next game, if they would have won, would have been really really pushing for a tournament bid there. And Mark Williams was a big reason for that last year. Yeah, Mark Williams was a beast late in the year. I mean, he averaged what his his final season stats were like seven points and five boards. I bet you I would love to know what he averaged over the last six to ten games because I didn't he have like a twenty twenty game at some point late in the year. I I think mean, so. It felt like he was kind of going for double-doubles on a nightly basis. And, John, I mean, you look at this Duke team, and it it looks a lot like what you kind of associate with North Carolina teams in recent years. You've got Mark Williams and Pelo Benchero up front. I mean, if Benchero is 80% of what people are hyping him up to be, he's going to be a pretty damn good player. Mark Williams is one of the most popular breakout candidates in the entire country. Right? People are expecting big things from this guy. They pick up Theo John in the transfer portal, who's – uh, a solid big man, a really good, like high energy, not high energy, but a, a great defensive kind of big who will kind of fill in. I mean, this is a front court that is just big and physical, and that's not, that doesn't feel very Duke. Not many, it used to always be where they would have, they would play small, they would have a bunch of guys who space the floor and shoot, and they play a very finesse style where North Carolina would be more ground and pound, pack the paint, we just dominate around the rim. This Duke team, it looks like, is set up really to to really crush people inside. Yep, and there there are two additional freshmen who we haven't mentioned yet, both top 100, uh, Jalen Blakes and A.J. Griffin, who will definitely be relied on to contribute at least something. And then, you know, they always have their white villain bigs. You know who their white villain is? It's a white villain name, too, Joey Baker. That's just the perfect name for a Duke white villain. Duke hasn't had a good white villain in a while, though. I mean, is Joey Baker oh, wow. good enough to be a white Grayson villain? Allen? Grayson Allen? Well, yeah, but I, I guess in the world of college basketball, though, like three years is forever, right? Every team okay. like turns over basically every other year. I, I don't know. I guess – I mean, I guess Matthew Hurt was kind of that guy last year. He's kind of a goon. Yeah. Joey Baker kind of sucks, doesn't he? But, like, you just know he's going to have one of those games, and I think of uh, Alex O'Connell. Yeah, he's going to be Alex O'Connell. You know that game um, where – it was a uh, North Carolina's really awful season, but they had that one game at home against Duke where they're up by like 14 with a few minutes left. All of a sudden, Alex O'Connell hits a couple threes in a row, just comes out of nowhere. He's not, he probably averaged six points per game, maybe that entire yeah. season. And he had six points on two possessions just to knock down North Carolina. Right. They have, they have like one moment on ESPN and Duke, God knows Duke plays enough games on, on highlight high night ESPN uh, you know, where one half from Joey Baker where he knocks down a couple threes and everybody will be talking about, Joey Baker, He's he can play. This is his chance. This is the breakout guy. You know, all he has to do is knock down corner threes. And it's like, yeah, but I don't know. Isn't he going to be a junior, a senior? Like, he hasn't done anything, I guess. I mean, he's got a very specific role. All he has to do is catch and shoot. And they need somebody who can shoot because uh, Roach, who was, who was okay as a freshman, right? By freshman standards, he was okay. By, by Duke freshman standards, he was probably disappointing. But He's okay, and, and I think you know he'll he'll take on a bigger role this year. Wendell Moore was a guy who who really didn't take a big step forward last year. Um, Trevor Keels, AJ Griffin are kind of your your main guards on the perimeter. I don't think any of those guys are really known as per, potential you know high level shooters. And, and Duke has had that in recent years. Here, you think about the year when they had Zion and, and RJ Barrett and those guys. Shooting was an issue. Yep. They were just big and athletic. They're basically a big AAU team. And I wonder if this Duke team, if, if there's a weakness on it, I don't see a lot of shooting. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's, they are, like, you nailed, nailed it on the head when you said their team is sort of constructed like 
the Roy Williams teams um, of the past, you know, five, 10 years where it's two typical big men who are just going to, they're going to be the new, the, the best offense is a missed shot team. Yeah. You know, we always say about North Carolina, that's going to be Duke this year. It, it very well could. Yeah. And, and, and that doesn't mean that, you know, we, we, we have a different standard for teams like Duke and Kansas and Kentucky, right? I, all of this issue, I don't think is going to stop them from winning a whole bunch of games. I mean, last year was a bar, uh, an aberration, right? I mean, the likelihood that Duke is as bad again this year as they were last year, there's there's almost no chance. They're, they're going to be a good team. Could that lack of shooting, though, keep them from becoming a, you know, at their ceiling, they're a team that, you know, is probably on whatever list you've got as teams that could potentially win the title or contend for it, contend yep. for an ACC title, contend for a national title. Could the shooting, though, make it where they're, they're more like a 3-4 seed in the ACC and they drop a few games that they might not, they're probably not supposed to could that kind of stuff you know hold them back a little bit yeah it definitely could um now let's get into tier two bigs and i've got and we've sort of went over this last week i think but i've got six teams in tier two i I don't have another team that i think could actually win it all and i i i'm still not convinced duke could win it all necessarily but i do think it's sort of like a high floor low ceiling type thing uh or no opposite high ceiling low floor yeah now, so my question is, when it comes to like that next set of that next grouping of teams, who do you think is the most primed to challenge Duke for the ACC title? Uh, Virginia, just because they—that's what they do every year, probably. I mean, they—they they don't have, they—they've lost a lot of pieces, so they're, it's really hard if you just look at the names on Virginia's roster. You're like, how are how are they going to do it? Because I I just don't know. They don't have a lot of pieces. Um, we say that every year about Virginia, and they rack up a ton of wins because they play incredible defense. Um, if it's not going to be Virginia, though, I, I actually will say I'll go with Virginia Tech. Okay, the state of Virginia, then. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Let's let's do that. I'll just claim the state of Virginia. Um, I mean, Virginia Tech was one of the teams that kind of came out of nowhere last year, right? And they were awesome. They won a ton of games early in the season. They they had a win over Villanova early in the season that just kind of launched them into 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 a really high quality season uh, covid kind of shut them down late in the year where that, that kind of took a little wind out of their sails but i think they've got the potential to to be a hell of a team upcoming this year with another year under mike young who's who's one of those newer coaches in the league not a particularly young coach but a high quality coach who's new to the league um and, and they pick up they have they have some really good pieces coming back with keve aluma who's one of the best big guys in the conference justin mutz who is um, kind of a do-it-all kind of power forward type. Um, and then adding Storm Murphy in your in the transfer portal, the, the transfer kind of combo guard out of Wofford, um, gives them some weapons in the backcourt. They've, they've got a lot of pieces that I'm really excited about. I think Virginia Tech could be uh, very good. Yeah. Speaking of Storm Murphy, is there sort of a Wofford to Virginia Tech pipeline going on here? Because you got to remember, Mike Young comes from, from Wofford. Keve Aluma, I believe, is in his third year at Virginia Tech the second I think it's his third year he also played at Wofford so is there a little pipeline going on there I suppose there's a pipeline now just because 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 Storm Murphy I believe was a sophomore when Mike Young Mike Young's last year there mm-hmm. uh, remember that that Wofford team was super fun the the last one Mike Young was out they went to the tournament Who'd they have? Who's, that Who's guard their other guard uh, Fletcher Fletcher McGee Fletcher McGee yeah he had a the crazy shot you know, Storm Murphy was more of a backup 
maybe the point guard on that team. He, did, he, he played a much lower wattage role on that team. And then he really blossomed after Young left because he, he just had a bigger role. But I don't know if there's going to be much of a Wofford pipeline now that, you know, the further away Wofford gets from Young. But Murphy certainly, uh, you know, gives them a gives them a potential dynamic, you know, score in the backcourt. Yeah. And so just to chop it up on Virginia Tech, you know, you talked about Murphy, you talked about Aluma, you know, Radford's Tyrese Radford's going to be the big, you know, player that they're going to have to have to replace. He transfers away. Uh, but yeah, Hunter Couture, uh, Naheem, I'm not even sure how to pronounce Aline. Is it Aline? Aline. Naheem Aline and Justin Mutch all showed promise at some points throughout this year or throughout last season. Uh, my only gripe with this team or my only concern with this team is that there's not really a ton of depth here. No, there's not. They they actually they lose a handful of guys that I think could have been could have been useful. That Jalen Cohn was an okay player for them, and he transferred after averaging almost ten a game. And Wabisa Beatty decided not to opt in. Same with Carter Dr. So they lose, especially in the backcourt. I mean, they lose they lose some of those guards. That's why getting Murphy was such a huge key for them. You know, because they do lose. I mean, they lose four guys who are playing minutes in the backcourt from last year. I think that Sean Padula is going to have to be a piece for them. He's kind of an undersized guard who had a lot of interest in in some of those high major programs just as a, just as a shooter, he's got like diet Jimmer for debt kind of vibes to him. He, he can, he can pull up any side, anytime inside half court and he's got the range for it. He's a little small. So I don't know how quickly it might take him a little while to adjust to high major action, but uh, yeah, the, the guard rotation is going to be a little thin, but man, I love Aluma and Mutz inside is, is an awesome kind of one, two punch in the paint. Yep. Yeah. They're definitely a very talented team. And then just to toss it back, you know, we didn't, talk a ton on Virginia I do know like Virginia seems to be that team that always they're so they're so steady especially during the regular season and they always seem to be even though if you don't think like they're the top team in the conference they're almost always the top seed for that tournament it's similar to and like on the flip side Duke is similar to remember the heat when they had LeBron and all them yeah and they made four straight finals appearances but I don't know if there may have been one out of four years that they're actually the number one seed for the playoffs. If, if you get, if you catch my drift here, sure. So there's always that one team that seems to sort of sneak in as that one seed and Virginia's sort of that team in the ACC. And, you know, they do lose a ton. They lose Sam Hauser. They lose Jay Huff. They lose Trey Murphy, but Armand Franklin's a transfer from Indiana. Who you've, who you talked about quite extensively during the off season. Jaden Gardner is a guy coming in from East Carolina who averaged 18 points per game. And, you know, we talk about that 70% rule. That's 14 points per game. Sure. Uh, but actually, you know, at Virginia, that's probably like eight, to be honest. How <laughs> slow they play. That's true. Yes. Um, Reese Beekman. Let's see. I He's not a freshman anymore. I don't know why I'm list, listed as a freshman on my cheat sheet. But he's a guy who is going to be a sophomore this year. He showed some promise last year. He's a talented guard. And... The thing with this team is they're always just built on defense. And Tony Bennett always seems to get these guys to buy into his defensive system where they're not going to impress anyone except on the defensive side. They're not going to score a lot of points. They're going to win these grinded out games. And if you're not up by a few points going into the final couple minutes, you're probably not going to win. That's true. They, I mean, they, they do what they do extremely well, right? I mean, they're just, they're so good at, they plug guys into their defense their system, they play. They play extremely slow, uh, extremely disciplined. They're never going to beat themselves. And there's something to be said about just you're going to be able to rack up a lot of wins 
uh, as a team if you just don't beat yourself. I mean, it's incredibly simple, but but so many teams are not good at it. Like Virginia's good at it. Uh, the ma- the difference between your special Virginia teams and the teams that are that are good that are capable of losing in the first round to anybody uh, is the amount of scoring. Can you can you find guys who can you know go create shots and create buckets because they are always going to be in tight games. You need to find closers, right? Every single game is going to be kind of down to the wire. And do they have kind of a curveball? If they can, the, the the old adage against Virginia is if, if they are ever trailing in a game, it's like a running team in football. If you have to pass, what do you do? Now what? Yep. And Virginia, if you're ever losing to a team, if some team comes out and they get and they get going offensively, do they have a curveball that can that can offset that? I don't know. They've recruited at a pretty solid level, actually, getting getting guys like um, you know, Caden Shredrick is a big man who who's been in the program now for two years, who I think will will play a big role for them inside. I, I think getting a couple transfers like Gardner and Franklin will help. Reese Beekman was another guy who was a really highly rated player when he came in last year. His numbers don't look all that great, right? He averaged like five points and four assists. Um, that's like fifteen probably at another team, but you know, him and him and McCorkle both could give you some some juice in the backcourt. It's just gonna come to a come down to can can they score and you know the good teams have had guys like Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy and um, and DeAndre Hunter you know where the other teams like you know if you've got Kihei Clark as your top option you're probably gonna win a decent amount of regular season games and when you run into teams that just naturally have more talent you're gonna lose and I tend to think they're going to they're not going to lose any games they shouldn't lose but are they capable of beating some of those other high level teams that that remains to be seen. All right, Biggs, let's uh, toss it over. And I'm going to, I promise I'm going to try and keep this. I'm looking at my time right now. It says 21 minutes and 30 seconds. We try and keep it to four minutes here. Okay, Biggs. Okay. On our favorite team, North Carolina. Love now, it. the big news in the offseason is obviously Roy Williams retires. He's gone. He's replaced by Hubert Davis. He didn't and- do some sort of, why didn't Roy Williams tell anybody he was going to retire like a year ahead of time? Okay, you, we get. To, I get to add ten seconds onto it because you're like messing up with my groove here. You know. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but no, Roy Williams does the right thing. He leaves. He just is gone. He's not about himself. Right. Exactly. Okay. But this is a team last year that came in with a lot of high expectations and just didn't seem to exceed them or even meet them at all. Um, Caleb loves a freshman who came in last year who. Showed flashes, but didn't seem to adjust to the college speed that well. He, you and I talked about it all the time. He'd drive into the lane and then try and run into a seven-footer and toss up a shot and hope for a foul, win, which it wasn't a foul. Um, RJ Davis is a guy who started at the shooting at the guard position at the start of the year, but was quickly replaced by Curran Walton. Davis just couldn't find a shot. I, I could see him being a breakout guy. He still averaged eight points per game, but he just didn't see – he didn't have the percentages. And he was basically quickly replaced by Curran Walton, who could shoot it. And he found a good role as just being a pure shooter for them. It Really, their only deep threat at all a year ago. Armando Baycott um, is back for his junior year. He averaged 12 points per game. He could be sort of a conference player of the year candidate, depending on, you know, I think the new system is going to fit him well. With uh, They're going to typically play with sort of a stretch four with either Dawson Garcia or Brad- Brady Manick. Which actually is my next point that, you know, the transfers that they get really show how Hubert is going to have a different system than Roy, just because Dawson Garcia, Brady Manick and Justin McCoy from Virginia are all sort of that stretch for mold and will probably be, you know, sort of rotating at that spot. 
Then they have some good sort of depth pieces. Anthony Harris, if he can stay healthy, is a good spark plug guy. Puff Johnson is a guy who, if he could find his stroke, could become just sort of a role player off the bench who just comes in and shoots three. You know, he's Cam Johnson's brother, so he's got that pedigree for being a shooter. Um, they got got a couple freshmen, four star top, you know, seventy five ish guys. I don't see them playing a ton. They they're probably more of a contributors during their sophomore year, but. You know, this is a team that will need some of those guys just taking the next step. And if they do, they could be, I could see them being like a four seed come tournament time. I don't like to get my hopes up too much. If I were to guess, I'd see them probably being like a six seed or something. Um, God, I did good on time. What do you think? Yeah, you did. You did okay on time there. You you, you got more in the weeds, I think, than, than, than shocking than you will probably on any other team. But I, I like North Carolina. I actually think they... I think I'm higher on their ultimate ceiling than you are. I, I, how likely they are to hit that ceiling? I mean, it's going to require all those freshmen, now sophomores who who were freshmen last year, like Love, Walton, uh, Garcia, R.J. Davis, Puff Johnson, to to realize their potential. I mean, none of them were. I don't think any of them were particularly good. Caleb uh, Caleb Love was was atrocious last year as a freshman. Really, really hard to watch. Right, the percentages were just god awful. For a kid that the expectation was this is a one and done, not at any point in the season did I watch him and think this guy's this guy's got one. He looks like a one and done to me, right? He needs to take a huge step, and and a guy who was a top twenty recruit, you know, there's hope that he can. And Kerwin Walton, you uh, had a really nice season by freshman standards. If you're not looking at it through the, I expect this guy to be a one and done lens because he could really stroke it. Uh, I, I do think Baycott, Garcia, Manic makes gives them a really interesting kind of trio of, of your four or five. You're always going to have two of those guys on the floor. And because because Manic and Garcia can both shoot, you're right. I, I do think Baycott has a chance to have kind of Sean May-esque kind of breakout numbers. Uh, Sean May back in the day was, was really good as a sophomore for them, like a 15-point-a-game guy. And then the year they won the title in like 05, he was a force because they had so much space around him with their other two big guys. I think Baycott has that potential. I, I don't know if he's that good, um, but I think he has a chance. I, I'm really intrigued by Garcia. If 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 he can if he can give them kind of a dynamic four man who can shoot it slash a little bit and, and still allow them to play a little bit of bully ball inside. I don't want them to lose that bully ball edge that they've had for so many years under Williams. I know Davis wants to be the coach that that does the space and pace, bring UNC into the kind of the 20th century or whatever century we're in right now. I still want them to have bully ball uh, in them too, though, because so many other teams play small. I love being able to just crush people on the glass. I, I hope he keeps some of that identity, even if even if we have more guys that can still shoot it around the perimeter. I really think the big key is is Love and, and R.J. Davis and Kerwin Walton. Can those three guys take a big step? I've given up a little bit on Leaky Black. I, so, I, so we need one of those guards to step up and push him off the floor. You may have noticed I left Leaky Black entirely off of my update. Yeah, and and if he's and if he's got to play big minutes, I just think there's such a ceiling because he's so so bad offensively. He's okay defensively. He he does some decent things there, but it should be in like a fifteen to twenty minute a role uh, a game role, not thirty minutes a game. That just he just he just tanks their offense sometimes. Uh, but really, I think I think Caleb Love is kind of the key to this because if he is going to continue to shoot thirty percent from the field and take the most shots on the team, uh, it's hard to have an efficient offense. Yeah, and then Leaky Black, all I've heard over his 
now three plus years at North Carolina is how he's just wowing people in practice. And he's this Swiss Army knife guy. He's a he's Theo Pinson. He's he's in the Theo Pinson mold, right? The guy who is a three guy who can play the point, which he can play the point, but he's not even close to Theo Le- Theo Pinson's level of production. And it's sort of like uh, I'm sure. Have you seen the movie Mean Girls? You know, okay. I just thought that you uh, you always bring up Marvel movies to me on this, and I'm bringing up Mean Girls. Yeah, that is that is enlightening, isn't it? <laughs> but but like the part where it's like, stop trying to make fetch happen. What's fetch? When I hear fetch, my dog gets excited. He hears that and he's like, Girl. what? It's uh, one of the girls is trying to make that like a cool word, right? Fetch. Yeah, I think I think it's supposed to be like that's so fetch. Like that's so cool. Yeah, exactly. And so she's like, stop trying to make fetch happen. Well, my thing is stop trying to make leaky black, black happen. Yeah, I, I see that. I see what you're doing there. I, I yeah, agree so. with you. Stop trying to make leaky black happen. Yep. He's not as productive as Theo Pinson. He's not a, he's not as smart as Theo Pinson. You can't just put him in the middle of the key in a 2-3 zone and have him make mm-hmm. good decisions. Like Leaky Black is just so passive. I don't want to talk about Leaky Black. He sucks. Okay, okay let's move on. He's the better. I, I'm intrigued by Puff Johnson as well. He didn't really get to play a lot last year. If he's a guy who can shoot it, uh, I think there's a chance. I, I still think, I mean, again, I think it's as simple as if Caleb Love plays like a potential one-and-done type guy or a guy who's ready to move on to the NBA and gives them that kind of alpha lead guard, I think their front court is good. I think Manic Garcia, Baycott gives you a, a really good front court. I think for the most part, Kerwin Walton and R.J. Davis are like steady, solid guards who – I wouldn't expect big breakout numbers from them. I think they're just they're going to be okay. Maybe a little better as sophomores. I think Caleb Love though is the guy who, if he's similar to what he was last year, or even takes kind of a small step forward. I think it's a UNC team that's in the mix at the in the top four of the ACC, but probably has a nights where they just they annoy you. Yep. Uh, if he takes the step and has that that Ty Lawson kind of breakout year where he becomes kind of your alpha All American caliber point guard. I think the team has a huge ceiling, and I think they they could potentially be as good as anybody. Yep. Okay, let's uh, move on. Uh, My next team I want to talk about is Florida State, and they're a team who loses quite a bit of production from a year ago. They lose four guys who averaged nine points or more. They do have uh, a midseason transfer from a year ago. Caleb Mills transfers away from Houston, um, basically sat out the last half of the year, and he should slide in right – into that point guard role right away. Anthony Polite's the sort of the guy I think will be their new sort of leading scorer, their new go-to guy at the guard position. He's sort of a guy who can go get, get some buckets. Um, What do you think about this team, Biggs? I, I like it. I think this Florida State team's got a chance to be really, really solid. Uh, they're not as deep as they've been, it feels like, although who knows, there could be guys that we just really haven't heard of. I'm bummed out that that Balsa Copravica left because I, I he was a force. I mean, yep. as a UNC fan, he was really frustrating to watch because he would just kick their ass all the time. I thought if he would have stayed, that guy could have been an absolute monster for them. I don't know who they have inside right now. That's like, oh my gosh, look out for this guy. You know, they have they, a freshman uh, about a top fifty guy and John Butler coming in. He's a four star guy. He could honestly he could start right away. Malik Osborne coming back from last year is a power forward. Um, yeah, that five, that, five Osborne, that Osborne was a nice player for them. I I think he had he had some good moments. I don't know. I mean, I think I think Mills transferring from Houston. I mean, he was awesome at Houston as a freshman. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he 
He wasn't as good last year and and before he left Houston. He was he was struggling. He wasn't healthy, I don't think. But can he give them a, a guy who can handle and create offense for himself and others? I I don't know. That's that's what always happens with Florida State is they they struggle with that. But their defense is just always so tenacious, yep. and they just they come at you in waves, right? And you're right. Polite was was a guy who last year it seemed like. He would, he would just kind of fly under the radar, and all of a sudden you'd look at the box score and who led them in scoring? Anthony Polite with 18 points. Yep. You, know, you don't even realize he's on the floor sometimes, but he, he, could, he could knock down threes and, and kind of score in bunches. I don't know. I, I, do th- I think Matthew Cleveland is a guy who's going to have a big year for them on the wing. He's a freshman. He's one of the higher-rated freshmen that they've had in a long time. Yep. Well, they've, they've had some really good ones here recently, but he, he's another good one, and I think he could have a big freshman year for them. You know, either starting on the wing or really Florida State's showing like it doesn't really matter who starts. Everybody's going to play a lot of minutes anyway. Um, I could see Matthew Cleveland having a, a really nice freshman year for them. Um, and then same with, you know, somebody there. You just know there's going to be at least two guys that come out of nowhere that are just good, rock solid players. Yeah, another guy. I just sort of I'm looking at my cheat sheet. I sort of forgot about this guy. Cam Fletcher coming over from Kentucky who came out of high school with a lot of high expectations, but isn't he the guy who sort of threw a fit at the end of that North Carolina game and had sort of an altercation in the locker room or on the bench? Yeah, I don't remember what, what he had going on, but he was yeah, I mean, he was like a top 75 kid, and, yeah. and generally top 75 kids, they go anywhere but Kentucky, and they're probably going to play. But, you know, he went, to a, he went to a program that, you know, had a bunch of other five-star kids that were rated higher and, and probably made different promises in terms of playing time, and, and he wasn't particularly good. So maybe he's maybe now out of the Kentucky kind of spotlight, he'll have a chance to to kind of come into his own because he is a talented guy. But, yeah, I think he did have some some issues in terms of he just wasn't playing a lot and yeah. uh, didn't handle it very well. Yep. Um, let's see. I just have two more sort of Tier 2 teams, Bigs. I've got Miami and Syracuse. Uh which one do you want to talk about? And I'll pick the other one. Uh, I'll talk about Miami. You you talk about the you talk about the Bayheim show. Okay. Oh, am I going first? Okay. Syracuse. Yeah. Syracuse. Um, they're a team. Buddy Bayheim sort of showed out during the tournament last year, and he's sort of a guy who has been a starter most of his career at Syracuse. He comes back this year. I think is he a fifth year guy? Is he like a super uh, senior? I he might be. I think he is a super senior, but he averaged 18 points per game last year, and he's joined by his brother this year, Biggs, and Jimmy Beheim. <laughs> do you think? Do you think Buddy's jealous that Jimmy gets like the dad's na- like more so the dad's name out of the two? Yeah, maybe that. That's a great question because I mean, really, Buddy is that a is that a name that's like is that a good name after like you turn like I don't know. I feel like you hit a certain age where Buddy is just like not. Not great. You know what I mean? Like maybe after yeah. like 10. It's like, really? Is my name still Buddy? <laughs> and do you think his buddy his buddies ever called him Air Bud back in the day because of the movie? Depends on if he can dunk or not. Probably not. You know, yeah, probably not. <laughs> Why not, John? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um but they're joined in the backcourt by Joseph Gerard. He's sort of just a steadying force, sort of a you think of like in football, they talk about game managers at quarterback. He's sort of that on the basketball court. He doesn't do a ton, um, but sort of a reliable point guard. They get Cole Swider transferring over from Villanova. Um, you know, didn't put up huge numbers, but you know, if he's in the right system and really all he has to do in Syracuse is be in the middle of the lane under the hoop and stand there with his arms up and then grab boards. 
And, you know. Do you think he can do that? We'll see. We'll see. I don't think he was particularly – I mean, the reason he didn't play much at Villanova was because he's so – he's charm and soft defensively. He he just wants to shoot threes from what I've seen from Swider. And I, I wonder if they are – are they going to have somebody inside who can actually protect the paint in that 2-3? I'm curious if their defense is going to be what it's been. You think it won't be the uh, first-round, you know, team, teams can't prepare for it because they're not as good? Maybe not. They might – they got a lot of white dudes, though. They might they might see a team that just bombs threes on people. Oh, I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, out of all, like, the Tier 2 teams, they are definitely the one I had the toughest time putting in there. Um, they're sort of a Tier 2C, we'll say. Ooh. Um, so, you know, and then the other thing is they don't have a ton of depth on this team either. No, and, and it feels like that's another thing that I don't remember if that was – I think that's always been kind of an issue. Beheim likes playing about six and a half guys, it seems like. He he does not want to play almost anybody. I mean, they play the 2-3 the zone anyway. So, I mean, they just they don't sub a ton. They don't play very fast. They play extremely slow. I, I really am just curious, though. I think Gerard and the two Beheims are going to log probably like 36 to 40 minutes a game. And, I mean, losing that's where losing that Garrier and losing Kadari Richmond – are, are really some big losses. Those those two transfers, I think, hurt them. Yep. Um, because th- th- it takes away some of their some of their length. I think their defense is really going to suffer. I really I really do. I'm curious to see if their defense, if they do anything to offset that. Because Swider is a is a negative defensive guy. Gerard's small, not generally what you see with Syracuse guards. And, and I don't think either of the Bayheims. I mean, you can you can hide them a little bit in zone, but it's not like you've got other guys that hide them particularly well. Yeah. All right, T- tell me about Miami Biggs. The U. Have you watched those Thirty for Thirties? They're so no, good. no. I've heard they're sweet though. Oh, they're so good. Are they really? I-, I think there's two. There's like a part two now too. Really? Yeah, it's really good. I'll have to. Anyway. I'll have to check that out. Anyways, go on. Okay, um, I think they'll be okay. They've been kind of down. It feels like the last like handful of years here. There was a year, maybe three, four years ago, when they had like Bruce Brown and when Chris Likes was a freshman, they were they were supposed to be really really good. And they were just kind of, I don't know, they were okay. They were nothing special. It feels like they've kind of been just off the radar for like the last three, four years. And I think they've got a chance to be, I don't know, I kind of think they're going to be off the radar again this year, to be honest with you. Last I year, started they, disagree. I started they disagree. Got, they got crushed by injuries last yeah, year. Yeah, they did. Right. Um, and it kind of depends, I think, if, if, they can, if they can stay healthy. I think they've got some pieces. They're going to be really guard heavy. I mean, they've got some interesting guards with, I mean, Isaiah Wong was a really good breakout guy last year for them, averaging 17 a game. Cam Augustis missed a big chunk of like the last two seasons because of injuries, but he's a guy who can who can really play and really shoot, transfer from Oklahoma a couple years ago. Charlie Moore is on his like fifth school, I'm pretty sure. Didn't he start? He started at Cal, then he went to Kansas, then he went to DePaul. Okay, so maybe he's on his fourth school. Talk about just signing one-year contracts, this Charlie Moore. Not a not a great player, but he might be like their fourth or fifth guy. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that Harlan Beverly starts over him really? but early, early in the season. Yeah, okay. I, really, that fourteen points a game that Charlie Moore put up is empty. He's he's not an efficient player, not a particularly good player. So I'm curious to see if he's in more of a bit role. I think there's a chance. And then you've got Jordan Miller, the transfer from George Mason, another guy who's who's kind of a swingman type. They're they're kind of loaded in the backcourt. They're going to need some big guys to step up. Yeah, and you know, I'm actually I think I'm a little more high on this team than you are. You know, 
you did mention last year they were just ravaged by injuries. Chris Likes was gone. He maybe played five games a year ago. And Earl Timberlake barely played also. And granted, those two are now gone, both transferring to Arkansas and Memphis, respectively. But I think you hit the nail on the head with Isaiah Wong. He was a breakout guy last year. And a lot of it could have been just that it was, you know, by necessity that, you know, if on a team that bad, you know, you're, you're probably, you might have a guy averaging 17 points per game in some cases. Sure. Um, Cameron McGussie is also a guy who is just a great scorer. And so they're sort of going to pace that backcourt. And I think just another year under each of those guys' belts will be great. You know, Isaiah Wong was a freshman a year ago, I'm pretty sure. And so, you know, you always say the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. I've heard that. Yes. Um, Charlie Moore, you know, you talked, you know, about empty stats, but you know, if, if he doesn't have to have empty stats, like he did have at DePaul a year ago, maybe he could, maybe he could just do enough to make this team successful type thing. Uh, Jordan Miller is another guy coming over from George Mason, another guard. And like you said, this is a very guard heavy team, which is sort of typical for Jim Larinaga. They're a lot like, they're a lot like Florida state in that they just have all these guards and then one lumbering big guy in the middle. Yeah. Um, Sorry, yeah, figuring ahead. out which big guy is going to play is going to be interesting. I, I, we left out Sam Wardenberg, too. He missed all of last year, but he was a guy who looked decent two years ago um, and was kind of a popular breakout guy, you know, expected around this time last year before he got hurt. Um, so if you have him, you got Dang Gok, and uh, I thought they had one other one other big. Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker. If, if the three of those guys can – if they can get one of those guys to pop, I do. I think they've. You're right. I, th- I think you're talking me a little bit into Miami, where I think they've got some some perimeter juice. If if a couple of those forwards can pop and give them something up front, maybe they could be a little better than than we think. All right. So that's all my tier two teams, Biggs. Now, if in your opinion there's a team that maybe I left off, who would that be? Louisville. I would Louisville? say Louisville. Yeah, I think I think Louisville has a chance to be better than than Cuse. I think they've got a chance to be better than Miami. Um, I actually would say Louisville and Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's another team that that has a chance to be okay. But I'll, I'll start with Louisville. I guess they do have a couple transfers: uh, Jared West and Noah Locke in the backcourt. So they've got a whole new backcourt, which is always dangerous in the ACC. Um, but I but I think their frontcourt's got a chance to be really really good with Samuel Williamson. Jalen Withers, uh, and if Malik Williams is healthy, he's a kid that was was really talented and really productive two years ago for them, kind of off the bench. I think the front court's got a really good chance to be to be kind of special. Um, and, and Noah Locke's been a solid guy. You know, he was a three year starter at Florida and, and can really shoot it. Uh, it's really just a matter of do, can that Jared West give them what? Uh, who was the point guard they had last year? Who was the transfer? Uh, Carlick Carlick Jones. Carly Jones, can he do what Carly Jones did and, and be kind of that alpha lead guard for you? Because I think they've got enough talent on the rest of the roster. If, if they're healthy, I think they've got a chance to be really, really talented or really, really successful. Could be. And it's interesting because, like, right when I mentioned Carly Jones, in the back of my mind, like, you mentioned, like, the the guard that is just sort of the lead dog. Does Carly Jones remind you of, uh, I can't think of his name. He plays for the Jazz right now. Donovan Dominic Mitchell, does he remind you of him at all? Just sort of their styles of play. Yeah, a little bit. They've they've kind of got that undersized kind of combo guard where they're looking yeah. to score. They get into the paint. They can shoot a little bit. They do. They kind of do a little bit of everything. Yep, I could see that. Yeah, and so you mentioned Jared West. You mentioned Noah Locke. Um, another guy who's sort of a guy to sort of just keep an eye on. I'm not. Who knows if he'll start? 
Um, but it, they have a Juco guy coming in from Tallahassee, um, L. Ellis, who averaged 17 points per game a year ago. So just keep an eye out for him. He's a guy who could sort of, I don't know if he'll slide into a starting role or not. Um, that fifth spot, you mentioned Wes, Locke, Williamson, Withers. That fifth spot would probably be Dre Davis, um, who averaged about seven points per game a year ago. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, this is a good team. And I, honestly, now that I look back on it, I want I want to officially move Syracuse down to tier three. You want to put Syracuse in tier three? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Should we talk about them again now that we're in a new section? Oh, you <laughs> did you hear that they have two Bayheims? <laughs> um, what was the other team you mentioned? Oh, Notre Dame, and they're actually yeah. a team I'm sort of high on. I they have a good roster on paper. You know, Prentice Hub is one of the better guards in the conference, Nate Lashevsky, which whenever I hear of Nate Lashevsky, I think of coach K. Yeah. Yeah. I do. You know, too. I, I hear, I hear Shevsky instead of Lashevsky. Well, he um, made a good decision, not going to, to Duke. Yeah. Smart that's true. Kid. Yes. Um, speaking of smart kids, they have Paul Atkinson transferring in from Yale. I set you up really nice for that. that yeah, was like, I'm a volleyball setter. I just, I put that right there for you and you just came and spiked it right into someone's face. <laughs> And then they have three other guards, Cormac Ryan, Dane Goodwin, and Trey Wirtz, all averaged anywhere from 8 to 12 points per game. So, like, they have six guys who averaged eight points or more a year ago returning. I shouldn't say returning because Paul Atkinson transfers in. But they have six guys averaging eight points a game or more from a year ago. Yeah, they've got they 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 they've got solid – solid scores at least. Um, Notre Dame's problem last year was, if I remember correctly – their defense is really bad. They they don't guard anybody at a, at a particularly high level, and I think last year again they had two. They've had I think kind of like Miami where they've just been snake bit a little bit with injuries. Um, but you're right, they've got a ton of seniors. It's a, it's an extremely old team, which is just not not common in college hoops. They've got a really old team, and that could be a bad thing, right? Sometimes they're old for a reason. It's because these guys aren't good enough to go anywhere else. Uh, they're they're a good team. I think Notre Dame was fine last year. They weren't they weren't great. Uh, but I think there is some kind of sneaky kind of excitement about this team having a chance. With with Mike Bray, he always wants to have older guys. And, you know, it, it feels like they've been building towards this. Apprentice Hub's been around what feels like forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Leshevsky's been around for a long time. Dane Goodwin's been around. I mean, these guys have all played kind of prominent roles, uh, you know, for, for Notre Dame over the last two, three seasons. So it, it's time to make it happen for these guys, you know. So can one of these guys pop and become – you know, a next level, can, can someone give them kind of an upper echelon kind of next level kind of high high caliber go-to all-conference type guy, or or is it just going to be kind of trying to piecemeal things together again? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, another team, uh, Georgia Tech, a team that finished the sort of regular season and conference tournament very hot a year ago, won eight, eight games in a row, um, culminating in winning the ACC title before losing in the first round, but they do lose their two best players, Jose Alvar- Jose Alvarado and Moses Wright to the NBA draft. They do have some talent coming back. Michael DeVoe is probably their best player coming back, averaged 15 points per game a year ago. Jordan Usher is another wing guy who will provide you know a pretty steady um, scoring punch. Bubba Parham is a guy who sort of he showed some promise last year, and they have a good. You know, top fifty recruit coming in, and Dallin Coleman, who he might honestly start right away, just from looking at this roster on paper. I'm not sure who else will slide into that other guard spot, but 
What do you think of this team, Biggs? Eh, I don't know. I don't think much. I mean, I think Georgia Tech is probably one of those teams that's in the bottom half of the conference. I think they had an awesome year last year, and, and programs like Georgia Tech, it's you're building for it's, – it's not just, hey, we're going to plug in and replace. We, you just don't replace Jose Alvarado and Moses Wright at Georgia Tech very easily, right? These are guys that you have to build and cultivate over a course of a couple of years. They, they're just not like Duke and Carolina and, and even Louisville and even Virginia, so to speak. They just don't plug guys in to just – Oh, we're, we're just going to rinse and repeat. Every time we lose a stud, we'll bring a new one in. It feels like you have to build every couple of years, and, and it goes in cycles for some of these programs. I think Georgia Tech is like that. Uh, they hit a high cycle last year where they got to the tournament. They had a really, really awesome year. They won the ACC tournament, if I remember correctly. Yep. And that was super cool, and it was one of the great stories in college hoops last year. Josh Pastner with with the, uh, you know, with like the uh, – Face uh, mask. The face mask that he had going on, yeah, it was it was hilarious. He was like he was like a character over there. I, I think now they're taking a back seat this year. I think they're they're headed kind of towards a towards a downswing. I think Devoe Usher, maybe Bubba Parham, which is Bubba. We enter out on that name, Bubba. I like it. I'm okay, a Bubba guy. yes. I feel like if you're down south, Bubba's more acceptable. If you're up north, I feel like Bubba is like that loser kid who's like. He acts stupid, so everyone thinks he's cool kind of guy in high school. The kid named Bubba is the kid who acts like a moron, and people like it because they're like, oh, Bubba, he's so dumb, but funny. I don't know. Maybe I've been around high schoolers too much lately. Do you have a Bubba at your school? No, but I feel like there was a Bubba in my high school, but I don't remember his actual name. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's actually named Bubba. His name's probably like, you know, Alex or something. Yeah, or Matt. Yeah, and he changes it to Bubba because, I don't know, that's what people named Bubba do. Anyway, I, I think Usher, DeVoe, maybe Bubba, they, they might keep them at least from bottoming out completely. But, but I think I think things are going to be headed towards a downspin, I guess. Okay. Now, a team who was sort of the opposite of Georgia Tech last year. We talked about Georgia Tech getting hot at the end of last year. Clemson was the opposite. They are a team who was 9-1 and one in early January last year, but really faded down the stretch. Um, they lose their best player, Amir Sims, the NBA Really, their best player coming back is Alamir Dawes, average nine points per game. Um, they have Nick Honor coming back at the point guard spot. Um, they get one transfer coming in from UCF, David Collins, but, I mean, not stellar stats. I don't know. I'm just not that excited on this team. Um, they were – honestly, they were almost a little tough to put in Tier 3 for me. They're close to being Tier 4. Um, what do you think of this team, Biggs? Clemson was weird last year. You're right. That didn't they get at one point they got up as high as like 12th or 10th. I mean they got they rated. Were, they were nine and one, and they got rated really high if I remember correctly. And they, I think I don't remember who it was. I want to say it was, they played Virginia, and they lost by like 40. I mean it was yeah. something insane, right? Do you remember that? I. I pretty sure i remember them beating north carolina that's what all i remember from that. i remember that too and thinking how did this happen that's that's that when they lost that game even if clemson was like solid in that in that moment in time i thought this is why north carolina is just not real this year like they're just not they're not that good you yep. can't lose to this team clemson averaged like 65 points a game they were like really good defensively but my gosh offensively it was a disaster and you lose your best player in amir sims you're right I just think this team's going to have a hard time scoring. And if, they're, if they are going to be amazing defensively, uh, Amir Sims was pretty darn important to that, though, too. I mean, he was a terrific defensive player inside. He, he just he covered up so many issues for them. Honor and Dawes is a, is a solid uh, backcourt, I guess. They're, they're okay. And 
beyond that, I don't know. It is. I, I'm with you. It's just kind of hard to get real excited about this team. I don't know. Yep. Speaking of tough to get excited about team, North Carolina State loses their top two scores from a year ago. Actually, first and third. I take that back. Um, Devin Daniels and DJ Funderburk, which, by the way, Funderburk is just a great last name. That's a terrific name. I love it. Yes. Now, they're sort of going to be paced by – you know, Jericho Helms and Manny Bates, but Bates Bates is more of an inside presence. Um, he, he can put up numbers, but not really. Maybe, maybe he, his ceiling's like a 12 and 10 guy. A um, couple guards coming back, Cam Hayes and Thomas Allen, but they didn't, didn't put up stellar stats. Casey Marcel is a guy who, you know, keep an eye on. He trashes in from Virginia, averaging four points per game. But like we always say, that's like 20 on any other team. <laughs> Um, but I feel like NC State's just relegated to always being the forgotten team on Tobacco Road. It does feel that way, doesn't it? It, it feels like the la- they've had a couple teams here in the last two, three, four years under um, under Keats where it feels like they're really close to like yep. breaking through and being really, really good. I feel like it was maybe two or three years ago where they had like a really solid team, and, and for whatever reason, they just could not. They, they, were, they were close, you know, and then for whatever reason, I think things kind of fell apart at them at some point in the year. Two years ago, weren't they a, weren't they a borderline tournament team that beat Duke, but somehow in North Carolina was god-awful, but they beat mm-hmm. NC State, and it was like, that's going to be the reason somehow that NC State doesn't make the tournament, Yep. you know, before the tournament was canceled, which uh, first-ever tournament to be canceled due to a global pandemic after the team that won it had lost as a, a number one seed to a 16. Here, here I thought we weren't going to say that fact this episode, but oh. here we are. Well, you can't escape. You can't run from history, John. we got to embrace it. That's true. But I, I don't know. I think this NC State team is kind of in that – you're right. I think they are basically the definition of like middle child tier. Yep. Like, you know, they're probably – if there's – what are there, 14 teams in the ACC? Uh, I feel like a safe over-under on them where they're going to finish is like 10. Seven and, a, seven and a half, eight and a half, somewhere. That, I feel like they're going to yeah. be okay. They're probably going to be better than some of these teams we've already talked about, but I don't think they're going to be better than, you know, I, I don't know which one. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I mean, Manny Bates is one of those guys. He gives me kind of like, I mean, we were talking about last week about the Big East and Nate Watson. When you watch Nate Watson play, I mean, you you watch him in the warm-up line, you watch him for like any four-minute stretch, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy is the best basketball player on the floor. This dude is a force. And then you watch in another four-minute segment and you forget he's on the floor. Yep. Manny Bates is like a poor man's version of that to me. Like I feel like he has moments and stretches of games where it's like, holy shit, this guy is a beast. He blocks well, shots, yeah, he blocks I, I, everything, and then all of a sudden he picks up two stupid fouls and it's like you forget he's on the team. Yeah, so like I'm looking at my cheat sheet here and like my impression of Manny Bates is shot blocker. Okay. Now what sort of – when you think of a shot blocker, what sort of the main stat you think they're going to fill up? Like block is one. I, I said shot blocker, so block might come to your mind. But what's the other one? Fouls. No, rebounds. Rebounds. Okay. Get, he only averaged 5.9 rebounds per game last year. That seems very low for him. Well, how many minutes did he play? I bet you only played like 18 minutes because he gets in foul trouble yeah, all the time. Yeah, probably. You know what and I mean? So, and honestly, if he's someone who can stay on the court, maybe he's a breakout guy. Maybe he's maybe he is a 15 and 10 guy. Yeah. I, I could see that. I think it's more likely that he's probably like a 12 and 8 guy, like you said, because he's going to have enough nights where where he picks up three fouls in seven minutes and he's relegated to the bench more often than not. On, on good nights, though, I mean, he, he has he has the potential to go kind of beast mode. Um, I think Helms is a solid player. Hayes is a solid player. Allen's okay. 
Sebron's okay. Morsell, I don't know. We've been waiting on him for a couple years at Virginia. They just have a bunch of okay guys, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I just don't know who who helps them. Who helps them even get to the next level from tenth in the ACC? Yeah. All right, let's move on to tier four bigs, and I've got three teams here. I'm just going to give a brief synopsis on all three of these. Um, if you want to add something, you certainly can. Um, but Boston College, a team I don't have high expectations at all. Um, new head coach and Earl Grant coming over from college to Charleston. He brings over Brevin Galloway, um, who could very well be their best player. Um, Average 15 points per game a year ago. Let's move over. Pitt as a guy, as a team who lost a lot. Um, Justin Champagny goes to the draft. Adias Tony transfers to Arkansas. Xavier Johnson tra- transfers to Indiana. Their best incoming guy that I see is Daniel Oladapo from Oakland. Um, but another team, I just don't have high expectations at all. And Wake Forest, I have even less expectations. I don't, I don't even know any of these guys on this team. I forgot Wake Forest was in the ACC. I'm going to be completely honest with you. <laughs> is there anything you have to add to those three teams? No, not really. I think Wake Forest, I'm intrigued to see uh, year two of Steve Forbes, who was a who was an awesome coach at, uh, uh, where was he at, Tennessee State. I think he's got a chance. I mean, I don't know. With with the guys he's got, it might be it might take them a little while longer still. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pitt is they got so many new guys too. You're right that it's just like and is Jeff Jeff Capel still their coach? Yes, and he just isn't that good. I was gonna say what what are we doing? Are we just spinning yeah. our wheels with Jeff Capel? Is he he's just not a good coach? Like I don't so I don't know. I just think that thing's going nowhere. And Boston College is kind of in the same boat where it's just like it's hard to win at school like Boston College. It just feels like it just feels like they. I don't know. It, it's such a it's such a big rebuild project that it's hard to see any other any other scenario where those three teams don't finish at the bottom. Yep. All right, Biggs. Let's get into what we've done and all the other shows too. Is our award predictions? Now, I'm actually gonna do my all all conference first. I'm gonna let you think on it for a bit. Thank um, you. Here. Yes. So my guys, I've got um, three sort of. My first three are sort of ones I, I think are like – they definitely were easier picks for me. Um, Paulo Benchero's guy from Duke who we talked about. He's very highly touted coming out of high school. And honestly, he's got sort of a similar – people are talking about him in a similar way as they used to talk about Jalil Okafor. Um, very talented, very high expectations. And I think he's going to have a good year. And he could honest, he might honestly be a player of the year candidate um, as a whole, not, not just freshmen. Armando Baycott, another guy, uh, North Carolina, who I think is going to thrive with having more of an open space in the lane, not have Garrison Brooks also lumbering down there or Dayron Sharp also in the paint and having that person's defender come over and helping off. So I think he's going to increase his output. He could be more of a 16 and 10 type of guy. Keve Aluma from Virginia Tech's another guy who has had Two good years in at, in the ACC now. Um, great year a year ago, fifteen and eight. And you know, I think I just think he's a great player. He's he's sort of an inside out player too. So I think he's going to have a breakout year and you know be you know one of those all conference guys. 
But then that's where it sort of gets interesting. Like all three of those guys are, you know, post players. You know, I got to get some guards in there. And I'm just scrolling through the teams last night, and it was sort of tough to come up with two. And I want to pick, say, like Trevor Keels, but I don't like grabbing two guys from the same team. So I've got Buddy Bayheim from Syracuse. Um, averaged 18 points per game last year, and he's really their, by far their best offensive threat. And so he could honestly increase that, to be completely honest. So I think he's going to be on there. And the last guy, this was tough for me to come up with one. I thought of, like, say, Isaiah Wong at Miami. Um, I thought of Anthony Polite at Florida State. Um, but I, en- I just ended up with Michael DeVoe at Georgia Tech. With Alvarado gone, I think his they're, they're going to rely on DeVoe quite a bit. He's going to have a lot of opportunity to increase the scoring outputs. So he's actually my fifth guy. Solid, solid list. Um yeah, you're right though. After uh, there's a couple of obvious ones, I think with uh, with Vanchero, I mean everybody's going to have him as probably the player of the year in the league. And after that, it, it, there's so many guys that I could see multiple guys from from a, from a number of different teams really having having an edge here. So I, I'll go with Banchero. I'll go with Buddy Beheim as well. Uh, I'll take Caleb Love. I think Caleb Love, as insane as he drove me last year. I, I think there's a chance that he has a big time breakout year. Just adjusting to the speed of college hoops was was really challenging for him. And maybe he's he's another guy. You talk about Baycott really having having space, maybe benefiting him in a big way. Mm-hmm. I think Caleb Love's another guy where if there is more space on the floor, he's going to benefit in a huge way. Yep. Um, you know, so I, I think he could have a chance. The game was just clearly too fast for him last year, and I think another year of college hoops will will hopefully help him. An open system will help him if they play a little more up tempo. I think they, I think he breaks out and gives you like a 16 to 18 points a game. He's the type of kid who I think if they can get back to playing that Carolina break where they get up and down the floor, I, I think he has a chance to put up huge numbers. Um, I will go with uh, with Samuel Williamson from from Louisville. I think he's a guy that a year ago a lot of people had as as kind of a breakout guy. He missed some time due to injury. And you know he was okay. He averaged like ten and ten and eight. I think he has a he has an even bigger year this year, and I think Louisville's better than people expect. What am I at? Three, three. That Bunchero, okay, go Williamson, go Love. Yep, I said Love. I'm gonna go with Caleb. I'm gonna go with Caleb Mills from Florida State. Okay. I think he gives Florida State kind of a bucket getter on the perimeter. Um, a guy who can play some defense. Uh, on the ball and another team that I think people are going to value. Maybe the lack of stats won't look great for him, but I think Florida State's going to win a ton, and I, and I think people will, will care about that kind of thing with them. And then my last spot, I, I have a really hard time with this too. You're right, with Isaiah Wong. Could I go with Aluma? Um, could could you go with you know any one of the different guys at Notre Dame or Georgia Tech? I will go with you know A.J. Griffin too is another kid from Duke who I think is going to have a monster freshman year. Now, he's another kid who high-level kind of prospect. I don't know if he's a great college player as a freshman, but I think he's, he's a big athletic guy who's going to overwhelm a lot of people. Um, I think the guy that I'm going to go with, though, is I have a hard time. If Virginia is going to win the ACC, and, and I tend to think they'll win the ACC conference, it's hard to imagine somebody from that team not being on the list. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Kihei Clark, even though I don't. he's another one that I don't think his stats are going to look particularly great. He's probably going to average like I could see him averaging about eleven points, six assists, one turnover, 
couple steals, plays good defense, just kind of anchors everything. And and he's not maybe their leading scorer. I think Gardner or maybe Reese Beekman do that. But but I, I'm kind of valuing maybe like the leadership kind of intangible stuff. He's kind of the coach on the floor, as they like to say. Uh, so I'll go with Reese, uh, not Reese Beekman. Uh, I'll go with P.A. <laughs> Clark. You almost talked yourself out at the end there. I enjoyed that. I know. I almost talked myself into just a different Virginia guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, who do you got for top freshman? I think, I think we both have the same guy. You know what we should almost do is just do top freshman that's not Banchero, just because he's okay. probably like player of the year, let's be honest. Yep. Uh, top freshman besides Banchero. I got to see who I have as freshman on here. I mean, Keels is an obvious choice for Duke. Yeah, or AJ Griffin. One of those two, probably, yeah. right? I'd go with I'd go with Keels from Duke. I'll go with Matt Cleveland. I think Matt Cleveland from Matt Florida Cleveland. State is going to crack that rotation. I think he's okay. going to play a ton on the wing. He's another guy, highly rated freshman, who's going to have a chance. Um, and I do think Duke, you know, some of those freshmen are really highly rated, like you're talking Keels and, and AJ Griffin both. They've got guys in front of them, though, that are that are okay. I think Wendell Moore is – you know, he, he, as as like disappointing probably as his season was last year, but just because he didn't take a big step, you know, he's he's not chopped liver as a college basketball player. He's he's okay, right? Yeah. right? And and Joey Baker, if if he actually is going to have kind of the breakout that you think he's capable of, that cuts into somebody's minutes. And Jeremy Roach is going to be on the floor a lot. And if they're playing two big guys, some of these other wings for Duke might not play as much and have as much rope. So I, I I don't know. That's just my way of talking myself into this more so because I, I okay. think AJ Griffin's going to have a big year for them. Yep. Uh, but I'll go with Cleveland out of Florida State. Okay. Now, coach of the year. This is honestly my favorite one to think about. Who do you think is coach of the year? Because I when I think coach of the year, I think of it the coach of a team who outperforms expectations. So there's sort of a correlation there. So coach of the year, who do you got? I would have to know. It's so hard. I I don't know exactly what expectations are. I'd love to know where these teams are projected to finish. I will go with um, – I'm going to take Leonard Hamilton because I think Florida State's going to – I don't know where they're going to be projected to finish. They might be at the point now where everybody just assumes they're going to be good. I think they're going to be really good too. You know, I think uh, they they're gonna have the expectation of taking a step back with all the talent they lose. So yeah. if they perform similarly, yeah, he'd definitely be in the running for that. Is so there any chance someone other than Coach K gets it though? We're we're not really factoring that in enough. <sighs> Let's not talk about him. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my guy is I've got Mike Bray for a team that has a lot of talent and a team that missed the tournament a year ago. Their expectations are gonna be lower than they probably should. And I think you hit hit this, but they have a lot of seniors coming back, so a lot of a lot of experience for him to rely upon. And I do also just think he is a great coach. You know, he's got he seems to have those um, lightning in a bottle years. Like for example, I think it was like twenty fourteen when they won the conference tournament. And so I think this could be another one of those years for him. So that's who I sort. That's who I have as my coach of the year. I can see that. Another guy that I was that I almost wanted to go with was Chris Mack, just because I, I really do think he is a terrific coach. Louisville's had some weird, just weird stuff going on, yep. and, and I don't think they've taken off quite. They haven't had as much success under him as as maybe they probably should have. Uh, but I think that's a team that I could see him. I could see that one kind of going really swinging doors here. With, with I could see Louisville being, I could see them exceeding expectations and being one of the best teams in the league, kind of out of nowhere. Um, I could see 
things crashing and burning a little bit on them and him all of a sudden being the headline face of of uh, coaches on the hot seat this time a year from now. Okay. All righty, Biggs. We got through all 15 teams quite well, I would say. I would give ourselves a B plus. Um, I think that we relied on our education on this league a little too much and didn't do enough analysis. So that's an area where we can improve. But overall, B plus is pretty good. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I would say B plus. I think I think our knowledge on this league is actually impressive, and and maybe you're right. Maybe maybe it allowed us to maybe not be as analytical as we could. Right. I, I think this shows that we are capable of this kind of knowledge, and and we need to bring this every time. You know, I have students that when they take when they take a vocab quiz or or do some sort of paper, they do a really good job on it. I say, hey, now I know what you're capable of. You've set your own standard, right? That now you have to continue to meet this standard. I, I feel like we need to hold ourselves to that same That's level. Why you don't we need do to that. continue meeting their standard. Yeah. That's why I like to say at basketball practice, you shouldn't go for the best time. You should go middle of the pack so you can always go middle of the pack. I'm talking about sprints here, by the way. Yeah. You should always go middle of the pack. Don't. Don't make your coach think you're good, because then if you have a bad day, you're still middle of the pack. Like, say, if you come, you know, feeling a little bad, maybe a little hungover. Not if you're a high school kid, obviously. Not um, ideally. Yeah, middle of the pack, everyone. Um, let's get out of here, Biggs. That's the kind of podcast we aim to be: is middle of the pack. Yes, between Titus and Tate and Three Man Weave. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. See you next week. Bye.